0: I thought the Blazers came into this season on a mission to not only win 50 plus games, but to get into the playoffs and make up for last year's playoff failures. But last night versus the Brooklyn Nets, those plans just took a major hit. The Boston Celtics still seem like a team without an identity, without a leader, and they lack chemistry. Plus, we're going to make LeBron's case for GOAT it's the cipher. Last season, the Blazers rolled into the playoffs versus the Pelicans, a team that most people had them favored to roll over in 5 games at the most. And they end up getting destroyed 4 straight games. They got swept. So what do you do? You go into summer. You put in the work. You try to come back better. The Blazers knew what they needed. They needed another option. They needed a third option. They needed Yusuf Nurkic to step up, to be more than just a guy, but to establish himself as one of the better big men in the game. And Nurkic responded. He's given them a post presence on both ends of the floor. He's a rim protector. He's one of the better rebounders in the league. And he's rock solid across the board. 15 points a game, 10 rebounds, three assists and almost two blocks. And last night, in an overtime win versus Brooklyn. Nurkic was having his best game of the season by far. 32 points, 16 rebounds, five assists, two steals and four blocks. And he goes down to an injury, a season ending injury. And now the Blazers future in terms of this season are up in the air. The Blazers are already without their second best player in CJ McCullough. He's out with injuries. And now you just lost Nurkic for the season. The Blazers are also fourth in the Western Conference at 46 and 27. There's eight games left in this season. They could still fall. Utah could overtake them. And what would happen is because that's going to be the four or five matchup. Is what it looks like. So what they're playing for is having at least home court advantage in the first round. Damian Lillard is one of the very best players in basketball. No question, he's a top ten player. But now you're asking him to do everything, and he almost all almost does everything now. But now you're putting even more on his shoulders. Minus his second-best player, now minus Nurkic. I didn't think the Blazers had enough to win it all this season. But they had played so well throughout the regular season, they had pundits, they had people like Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith predicting they would make the finals. Something I didn't see. At 100%, at best, the Blazers might get to the conference semifinals they're just not that talented overall. They don't have enough firepower. But when you lose your second and third best players, who are also your second and third leading scorers, getting out of the first round, I don't see that happening again. And, and that's a tough for a guy like Damian Lillard, who plays with the heart that he plays with. But Portland is just one of those franchises that's just snake bitten, going to way, way back in the day with all the injuries that Bill Walton had. With the injuries that Sam Bowie had. Do anybody remember how great and gifted a player Brandon Roy was? Brandon Roy was a beast. And then injuries just overtook him and cut his career short. What about them drafting Greg Oden? Maybe that was mistake one, drafting Oden over KD. But okay, you went with the big man. That's conventional thinking. What happens though? Greg Oden? Nothing but injuries. Career cut short. Portland is just one of those franchises. For whatever whatever reason, they are snake bitten. I'm a big Dame Lillard fan. And I really hope they can find a way to at least win a first round series. But I, I really just don't see it happening. The best that I can hope for, or what Blazers fans can hope for, big picture, that Nurkic comes back 100%. Remember, Nurkic is only 24 years old. He's a young man. If they can get Nurkic back, a healthy CJ and Dame, and Portland can do what they've never been able to do, which is lure a big-name free agent out to Portland, then that's when they'll have a legitimate shot to contend for a title. But right now, the way they're constructed, with their inability to lure big-name talent out to that area, I don't see the Blazers being more than a team that will always be very, very good, but not a title contender. They're a playoff contender, and there's a big difference. There's levels to this. So let's switch conferences. Let's go from a team like Portland, who started the year with a small margin for error, that everything was on the shoulders of Lillard and McCullough, and once they got a third option, once they established a third player, He goes down for the rest of the season. Let's look at a team like the Celtics, a team that can go 10 deep. They have that much talent. They've got four wing players that are interchangeable. And when you look at Kyrie Irving, who who they when you hear the pundits, they talk about Kyrie like he's 35. They keep saying the young guys don't understand Kyrie. The young guys can't relate to Kyrie. Kyrie Irving is 26 years old. Yes, he's older than Jason Tatum, who's 20. And he's older than Jalen Brown, who's 22. But Marcus, Mart, Terry Rozier, they're 24. And Kyrie is right there with them. This isn't about him not being able to relate to them or vice versa. This is a chemistry thing. When you have the kind of talent that Boston has and you struggle the way they do throughout the season, think about this with that talent. And they've had big wins over the Bucks, And they've had big wins over the Sixers. And, and, and the Warriors. But in terms of consistency, in terms of working together with everybody staying in their lane and knowing their roles, they still haven't figured that out. Which is why they, they lose to some of the worst teams. And they're just inconsistent night in and night out. The problem really is you've got Kyrie at 26, who's a legitimate star, borderline superstar. I look at Kyrie and Dame, and I've said this many a times, I can't pick one over the other. If I was going to nitpick, I would probably give Dame the edge just because he seems like he's got a little bit more dog in him. Not that Kyrie does it, but I would give Dame a slight edge. It's that close. If I'm picking between the two, I'm flipping a coin, and I'm going to be happy with whoever I end up with. But because of the success this Celtics team had last year in the postseason without him, because Tatum and Brown and Rozier were able to establish themselves as up-and-coming players themselves, and I'm not saying, like a lot of people are saying, that they're going to be stars. I think Tatum certainly has the potential to be a star, an all-star caliber player. I think Brown is a very good player. I don't think he's going to be a star, But I think he's going to be a very good, legitimate NBA starter. I think Terry Rozier is maybe one of the best backup point guards in all the NBA. And if you start him somewhere else, I don't doubt that his numbers will go up. But he's not going to be an all-star. He's just going to be an average starter versus being a super sub. But all these guys are trying to establish themselves. And Kyrie at 26 is not only established, But he's still trying to take his own game, his own resume, his 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 own legacy to another level. The mission should be to win a title. And I'm sure they'll all say they want to win and it's about winning. But inside it being about winning, it seems to be everybody's driven to look out for self. Everybody's looking out for their own brand. And when you factor in veterans like Al Horford and you factor in a guy like Gordon Hayward who's coming off of injury and starting to show signs, there's a there's an imbalance. The team is almost broken in half. On the one hand, you've got Kyrie and a couple of players that seem to play well with him. On the other hand, when Kyrie's out, if you look at numbers and you get caught up in raw numbers, it looks like the chemistry, the way the ball moves That the Celtics are a better team, even though everyone knows that Kyrie is one of the top closers in all the NBA. Big picture. I don't think Boston is going to win a title. But if you ask me, even with their struggles, if Boston were fortunate enough for whatever reason to come out of the Eastern Conference and they matched up against the Warriors, would that be a good series? And the answer is yes, that would be a great series because for all their flaws, whenever they play Golden State, they match up perfectly versus Golden State because the things that Golden State do well. Boston does well. The difference is between the two teams, Boston, when they're locked in, is a much better defensive team. That said, over the last 15 games, the Celtics are six and nine. They're playing less than 500 basketball going into the playoffs. That's not a good sign. Do I think Kyrie Irving will be a member of the Boston Celtics? I'll say this. For Kyrie to remain a Celtic, they would have to go on a run similar to what they went on last year, except they would have to end differently. They would have to win the Eastern Conference, get into the NBA Finals, then I would say there's a legit shot for him to return. But because there seem to be issues with him and some of the other players and the chemistry just doesn't work, and there seems to be friction between him and Brad Stevens, because Brad Stevens is more, is more of a walk-it-up, execute, half-court type of coach. And Kyrie likes to play fast. Yes, he can go ISO and he can break you down in half-court sets, but I think he's better when he plays fast. I want to say Boston has a bright future ahead of them. And I still think they do. I just think the future is going to be without Kyrie. I think this is going to be one of those. Ultimately, this is going to be one of those parting of the ways that's very necessary for both parties. For every fan out there that's ever said we should just appreciate greatness. I'm with you 110%. That said, Every great player, every Hall of Fame player, while they're in the same building, they're not on the same level. As great as Dirk is, he's not more revered than Larry Bird. As great as Magic is, he's not more revered than Michael Jordan. As great as Olajuwon is, he's not more revered than Kareem and so on and so on. If they're all great and they're all in the Hall of Fame. Let's say that the Hall of Fame is some giant five-star tower. And there's levels to that tower. And I'm just throwing out a random name for an example. Say a great player like Adrian Dantley is on the first floor, and then Rick Barry is on the third floor along with a few others and so on and so on. My point is because there's levels to this, as you go up, the greatness elevates. By the time you get to that top floor, by the time you get to that penthouse, Now you're talking about guys like Kareem, Russell, Wilt, Robertson, LeBron James, Magic, Jordan. And when you get into that, that penthouse, eventually you're going to have that conversation about who's the greatest, who's the GOAT, who's that guy. Now, if you listen to some of today's pundits, they'll tell you that it's a two man thing and it comes down to LeBron James and Michael Jordan. And I disagree with that. They're just wrong. No, Magic Johnson has a legitimate case and nobody, nobody's basketball resume. Can top Kareem's, even if you think about what LeBron's doing right now and he has a case. He does. He's that great. And it's extended greatness. But how do we call somebody a GOAT? What what makes up a GOAT? What are the components that make someone worthy of being called the GOAT? Is it signature moves? Is it signature moments? Great playoff performances? Titles? How about being dominant in your era? Putting up numbers. Monster stat lines. Or how about this, because this matters to me, not just the winning, but how you performed in defeat. The big O was the first to ever average a triple double for a season. And that's saying something when you're the first and that should be acknowledged. When you look at Oscar Robertson's career numbers, I believe he averaged 25 points, seven and a half rebounds and over nine assists a game for his career. That's why he's in that penthouse. But this is about LeBron. Think about this. LeBron James has just gone to eight straight NBA finals. He's taken two franchises to the finals four times. He's won two titles with Miami Heat. And then he won another title with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And when he won that title with the Cavs, obviously... It's one of the greatest upsets in NBA history. Now, as a side note, you should notice going into that series, I had it 50-50. And I know people were, at the time people were talking about I was crazy. They were saying the Warriors 73 wins. Did you see what they did? The numbers they put up and Steph and Clay and Draymond and the guy and I get it. And what I told people was this is before the regular season even came to an end what they're on the verge of doing before they actually reach the 73 wins, it won't matter unless they win it all. And I said, I know Cleveland's going to be in the finals. And I know that Golden State is a great favorite to make the finals. But if they meet up with Cleveland, I'm looking at LeBron, I'm looking at Kyrie, and I'm looking at Kevin Love versus Steph, Clay, and Draymond. And I'm telling you right now, I'm picking Cleveland and I picked Cleveland or I said I would pick Cleveland in that three on three. But ultimately in the series, like I said, I didn't pick a team. I thought it could go either way. I really thought it was 50 50. But when you look at the very best players on each roster, it shouldn't come as a surprise that it was that great a series, that it was that close a series. It's not like LeBron and Steph are neck and neck in ability. As great a player as Steph is, as great a shooter as he is, he and LeBron are like levels apart. LeBron is much better than Steph Curry. His level's better than Steph Curry. Matter of fact, you could blend Steph Curry and Klay Thompson together. They are better shooters, but together, they're still not a better basketball player than LeBron James. Kyrie Irving is actually closer to Steph Curry than LeBron James is. That said, let's acknowledge the greatness of coming back from a 3-1 deficit 29 points, 11 rebounds, and 9 assists. That's what he averaged, along with 2.5 blocks and and 2.5 steals. And speaking of blocks, the block, the play on Andre Iguodala. I thought that shifted all of the momentum in Game 7. Not to mention, a lot of people forget this. I thought it shook the Warriors. The Warriors didn't score the last four minutes of the game. Wrap your minds around that. He comes back in the 2016 and 2017 finals. 33 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. First player to average a triple-double in the finals. Numbers matter, sure. But how you play in victory and defeat, I think that matters as well. How you compete, not just with the numbers, but with the eye test. For me, when I looked at LeBron, That started way back in the 06, 07 conference finals versus the Pistons. His signature game, that signature moment, that performance. The man puts up 48 points, nine rebounds and seven assists. He scored 29 of Cleveland's last 30 points, including the game winning layup with a couple seconds left to beat a Pistons team that had gone to the conference finals six years in a row. He led that team who had some talent, but it wasn't elite talent. They had good players. But at a young age, he got to the finals. Now, they lost to the finals. They got swept by the Spurs. But for him for him to pull off that type of performance at that age, at that stage in his career, yeah, that's a signature moment. That's, that's a check in the right column when we're talking about goats. How about what he did in the conference finals in 2012 versus the Celtics? They're going into Boston. Down 3 2. It's an elimination game. Game 6. What does he do? Roll out 45 points, 15 rebounds, pushes the series to game 7. And of course, the Heat going to win the series. He goes on into the 2014 15 finals. I'm fast forwarding ahead. I'm thinking about what he. Yes, they lost to the Mavs that year. But he came back. What does he do? They defeat the Thunder. He comes back the next year. They defeat the Spurs. I think the really, really great players, they respond to adversity, to defeat. Magic Johnson lost a game, a series, but it was a, it was a signature game versus the Celtics. Two of them actually, game six and game seven, and they, they nicknamed him Tragic Johnson. And how did he respond to that? He responded to that by coming back and leading the Lakers back into the finals versus the Celtics in 1985, and the Lakers beat the Celtics. Not only won the series, but for the first time beat the Celtics in the series in Boston Garden. Again, great players respond to adversity. In the 2014-2015 finals, the first time he went up against the Warriors, Kyrie Irving out with an injury. Kevin Love out with an injury. Golden State, full squad. Everybody's healthy. Yes, the Cavs lost four games to two, but he averages 35, 13, and eight in a series that when you looked at it, you would have said with love, with Kyrie, you thought it would have went six games. He took it to six games by himself. To me, that was an amazing performance. What he did last year in the finals, look, the fact that he got them there was impressive. I'm not going to go overboard like others, but I thought that the the fact that the Cavs returned to the finals, that was impressive. The fact that he had them in a position to win game one, again, impressive. But for that series, 34 points, 8 rebounds, 10 assists. How are you not an all-time great? How are you not a Mount Rushmore performer when you look at the resume that LeBron James had put forth? Just this season, he's passed Michael Jordan fourth on the all-time scoring list. And yes, I've heard the arguments. He's played more games. Sure, Kobe has too. It almost goes forgotten that Remember, Mike's fourth on the all-time scoring list, not second, not third, not number one, but fourth. So there's a lot of guys ahead of him. But that's an accomplishment, nonetheless, that should be respected, and it should have been honored. And if you're one of those guys that like to go into the numbers, those those analytics, well, LeBron has the highest PER in the history of basketball outside of Michael Jordan. It's 27.6. That's his player efficiency rating. What I'm most impressed about is is his sustained greatness. Let me say that again. Sustained greatness. LeBron James is in year 16, and he's still putting up 27 points, eight rebounds, and eight assists. It's one thing to be great in a vacuum. There's some players who were fantastic, amazing for five, six, seven years. And then you get those other guys who have legendary careers. Like a bird. Like a Jordan, like Jabbar, like a Tim Duncan. And they're great even as they get older. But at a certain point, they're still very good, but they're no longer considered the best player in the game. The one thing that I think is in his case. For GOAT, in his resume for GOAT, is that right now today, LeBron James is still considered one of the best players in basketball. And I don't mean one of the five best. I mean it's a flip-flop between him being the best and another guy. That kind of excellent, that kind of sustained productivity at this stage in his career, yes, LeBron James have a legit case as GOAT. I'm not saying he's the GOAT. But when people say, no, he's not the GOAT, and they point out his failures, you have to point out his successes as well. Because Magic had his failures. Look, Jordan had his failures. I know we can talk about him going 6-0 in the finals, and, and there's nothing to be said about that other than he went 6-0 and in the finals. But he had his failures in the playoffs. He did. Look, everything wasn't always perfect in his career. He lost in the playoffs. He got swept before. But what I admired about him, even though I didn't root for him, was how he responded to defeat. He always came back the next year better. He did something differently. He added to his overall game. And that's what LeBron has done. LeBron came into the league and he had no jump shot. Everything was about his ability to get to the basket and attack the rim. And as he's gotten older, he's extended his range. And he's made himself into a legit three-point shooter. He's also added to his post game. When you look at how he's playing right now, no, I'm not going to jump ahead because people can fall off and suddenly lose it that quick in all sports. But when I'm looking at him, when I'm looking at the productivity, the consistency, do I believe that LeBron James can play at a high level for another two or three years? I think he can. And here's the thing. If LeBron James adds another title or two, let's say he adds two more titles, not to mention all the statistical things that he's going to conquer because he's going to surpass a lot of people. And ultimately he's going to be knocking on Kareem's door. And if he knocks on Kareem's door and it answers, now you're talking about the all time leading scorer who also will be in the top 10 in rebounds and assist who also will have won at least four NBA titles and probably four NBA final MVPs. I'm not saying he's the GOAT, but I am saying to those out there to think there's no way he can be considered that I disagree for two reasons. One, he's still putting up numbers Two, his story is not finished. His story is ongoing and he can add to his legacy over the next three years. Does LeBron James have a legit resume as a GOAT? He does. And I think what's all said and done, it's going to be interesting how we look back at his career and how much more we're going to end up appreciating him. It's the cypher. Quick shout out to everybody that's part of the anchor community. I know that the Facebook anchor page seems to be coming to an end. I still don't get that. Um, and I've been on Slack, and I can't speak for everybody, but if I'm keeping it 100, I get a little lost on Slack. I have no idea what's going on on Slack. It's like a free-for-all. That said, I think it's great, the idea that everybody's trying to support each other. That's a good move. That's all love. Shout out to the Facebook fam. Good looking out. Same to you, YouTube fam, and the Spreaker fam. It's the Cypher. I'm going to hit you with this next time.